You're listening to the Right Stream Radio Network, rejoicing in the flow of creativity. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at RightStream and hashtag RightStream. Thanks for listening to the Right Stream Radio Network. And good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Right Stream Tuesday. This is your host, Daria Ann, broadcasting at a special time today of 4 p.m. Eastern. And I want to thank you all for joining me. We have a fantastic show lined up today, um, something taking us into the spirit of Halloween, as we are now, I guess, what, 10 days away from that uh, spooky holiday. And we're going to be talking to Diane Student and Denise Moormeyer of History Goes Bump. Um, it's this really cool, brand-new uh, blog and podcast uh, started by uh, Diane and Denise. You may remember Diane Student. She was an award-winning internet radio host of a political show, and I'm not sure if she wants me to name it or not, so um, I'll just wait till I bring her on the air and then we can mention it. Um, but those of you who know her probably already know, um, and she, it was wonderful. But Diane is now um, doing uh, doing History Goes Bump uh, along with her partner Denise, and it's just phenomenal. I mean, they're combining history with the paranormal Really fascinating stuff. So I'm looking forward to talking to that here in just a few minutes. Um, but first, for anyone who's listening who is new to the network, I just want to take a moment to introduce myself. I am the founder of the RightStream Radio Network, which went live here on Blog Talk Radio back in March of 2013. We are now broadcasting five out of seven days a week, soon to be six out of seven. And um, before I move ahead here and bring on my guests, I, I just want to... Um, I, I had some sad news uh, Friday night, and um, a childhood friend of mine tragically passed away very unexpectedly Friday night, and actually his whole family and my family, we were very close growing up, and unfortunately I will not be able to attend services because they're up in Pennsylvania, but I just wanted to um, just acknowledge Brian and um, and just Brian, you know, rest, rest in peace, and just sending out good thoughts and prayers for his his wife, his children, and his whole family. Um, this is just a horrible, horrible thing. So I didn't want to uh, broadcast today without acknowledging that. Diane was, was great enough to create a promo for me, and I, I think I want to go ahead and play it here before I go ahead and read her bio and Denise's bio and really get this interview started. So I'm going to go ahead and play the promo for History Goes Bump to give you all a little taste of what we're going to be talking about today. Hi, I'm Diane. And this is Denise. And we want to invite you to listen to the History Goes Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. The History Goes Bump podcast. A show featuring a look at historic locations, people, and events with a twist. This history podcast is haunted. So grab your slippers, hot chocolate, flashlight, and maybe even that baseball bat, and join us. You can find the show at iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and other various podcast catchers. Check out the website at historygoesbump.com. Keep it spooky. All right, and before I bring them on the air, I just want to read um, briefly from each of their bios. Diane Student is a writer, blogger, activist, amateur historian, and founder of the History Goes Bump in the Night blog and host of the podcast, History Goes Bump. She is the former host of the award-winning live internet radio show, The Freedom's Wing Show, which she produced for five years from 2009 to 2013. Denise Moormeyer and Denise, I really hope I said that correctly, but please correct me if I was wrong. But Denise Moormeyer is the co-host of the History Goes Bump podcast and former co-host of Twilight Hour. She is an amateur photographer and seventh-degree black belt who also happens to work for a giant mouth. Hmm, I wonder who that could be. <laughs> All right, ladies, welcome to Right Stream Tuesday, and thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Daria. Hi, Daria. Hey, Denise, please tell me I pronounced your last name right. I hope I did. You pronounced it perfectly. I am actually really surprised. That usually doesn't happen. <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, uh, with a name like mine, you become very sensitive to uh, correct name pronunciation. So um, I'm glad I pulled that off. So um, let me start with, Diane, let me start with you. Because, I mean, many, many of our listeners obviously know who you are from Freedom's Wings, which was a fabulous show. And we know you're a blogger. But um, how 
long have you been blogging? Well, first let me say, Daria, that I'm sorry to hear about your friend. I send my condolences in that direction for that. I know how that feels. Oh, thank you. It's really um, Well, what happened for me is I've always been a writer. I've always loved to write. And in 2008, I discovered this thing called blogging. And I thought, wow, wouldn't that be cool? And I went over to WordPress and saw that you could start your own blog for free. And so I said, hey, why don't I give it a whirl? So I've been blogging ever since 2008. Fantastic. And I think I met you around that time, actually. Um, and, and you had started your show around that same time. So I, I got to say, I love I love new technology. Um, I think it's been it's just opened up a whole new world for all of us. Now, Denise, um, you were co-host of the Twilight Hour. What was that? I'm just really curious. So the Twilight Hour, um, we had tried to do a show that was going to be it was a live show, and it was similar to what we're doing with the podcast, but it was different ghost stories and really exploring the paranormal. It went a little bit bigger of the realm than what we wanted to stay focused on but we had a good time doing that it's just it was pretty late at night and a little bit um we struggled a little bit with scheduling but it was um just different paranormal um writers ufos um you know we had things just from like talking about werewolves bigfoot you name it so it was really interesting but it just was a little bit late at night and it wasn't quite the focus we wanted Okay, I see. Oh, and, and by the way, I should let everybody know, uh, if you have a question as we as we move along here in this interview, if you have a question for Diane and Denise, um, please call into the show at 347-945-7246, or let me know in the chat room if you're a little too shy to call in, but um, we're going to be talking about some fascinating stuff, and you may have some questions, so please call us, 347-945-7246. Um, so I guess, Diane, let me start with you. I mean, tell us about how History Goes Bump, and did you incorporate anything from Twilight Hour into that? Like, tell us a little bit of how it started. Well, as you mentioned, Daria, I used to be a big politics kind of gal, and back in 2013 I decided that I'd kind of had my fill of politics. Um, it wasn't that I didn't care anymore. It just felt like I was preaching to the choir, I was getting really angry and stressed out, and I thought, you know, this isn't really fun for me anymore, and I knew I wasn't going to do the show anymore if it wasn't fun. So I quit doing that, but I still wanted to continue blogging along some other line. So I kept, I mean, I must have gone through five or six blogs just trying to figure out what do I want to do, and I'd get them started, and then I'd be like, no, I don't like that, and then I'd start something else, and no, I didn't like that. Finally, I hopped upon this idea to do History Goes Bump in the Night because one of the things that we love to do, and I know a lot of people out there love to do them too because they're always booked up like crazy, is when you go to a city, you'll do a historic tour, but if you do them in the evening, they usually throw in the CD side of stuff or the ghost side of stuff, so they're ghost tours. And I wanted to do a blog that kind of got into history with a little twist on being haunted and it didn't take long before I went, you know what, I love broadcasting, and this would make a great podcast. And so they just both came together. Fantastic. Now, Diane, your, your prior show was live. What made you decide to do a podcast for, for History Goes Bump? Well, one of the things, as we were discussing earlier, for anybody who's done a show on Blog Talk Radio, it's fabulous to have the live venue because you have a chat room and I was very interactive with my audience. I love to look at the chat room, share things that people were saying in the chat room, make them a part of the show. But the audio quality and the headaches that came with it and some of the things that people may not necessarily think about is when you are doing politics, it can get pretty um, mean out there and you can get some really whack job type people who will either call in and so you'll get some interesting calls. Or I had things happen where I actually had to contact the FBI because of things that happened with people doing things with the show. I mean, there was one day after my show got done, I had a pizza get delivered from Pizza Hut, and then I had a pizza get delivered from Domino's. So I was like, okay, these people that were screwing around with me on my show know where I live enough to have ordered pizzas and get them delivered to my house. So... That kind of stuff made me a little bit like, you know, maybe I don't want to do this kind of thing. 
the great thing about podcasting is not only do you have control of the audio, but you also have control of your schedule. And sometimes it's hard to always make sure. I know you do a ton of shows, Daria. For me, I was doing three shows a week, two hours each. So there were six hours that I was having to make sure I was at home and on air. And it, it just was really hard. So podcasting kind of gives you that freedom to do it when you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it makes a lot of sense because I, I know, I mean, the the amount of prep time that goes into it. And with you, I know three days a week, two hours each time. I don't know how you did it. It was That, that was a lot. And every show was so professionally produced. Well, as is uh, History Goes Bump. And, and I just want to let everybody know, I mean, I've listened, I think, to all but one of your podcasts. And they're just, they're fantastic. I mean, they're, I, I just love how you're doing this. And we'll get into a little bit of that um, as we move along. But I just want to let the audience know, I mean, if you haven't gone there yet, definitely go to historygoesbump.com and, and check them out because they're fascinating. And what I like, too, is that, you know, you're educating people, but in a very fun way. I mean, I learned a lot of things about Molly Brown from your, actually Maggie Brown, right, as I learned from your podcast. Um, and just different, you learn things about different historical places um, throughout the country. Now, I don't know if you guys have done, have you done a, a show about like a foreign place yet? I think everything so far has been within the United States, correct? We have been in the U.S. I'm kind of hoping to get some interaction, especially on Twitter, because I have a lot of people on there that I've been talking to that are over in the U.K., where I want to kind of get people who are in that area to let me know what are some of the major places that you guys want to hear about, because, you know, we know a lot about this stuff here in America, but over there, I'm not really sure. Yeah, and I'll bet. I mean, there's so many castles and things over there and so much history that there, there's bound to be really cool places uh, that you can feature on the show. But I want to ask Diane, let me ask you first, and then Denise, I'll, I'll have you answer the same question. But what originally got you interested in the supernatural? I mean, I know it's all the rage and, and it's got a lot of uh, interest, uh, so you can generate a big audience. But, but, you know, what else got you interested in it? Well, I have to say, I thought Ghost Hunters was cool before Ghost Hunters ever existed, <laughs> which means <laughs> this goes back to when I was a kid. I have always loved Halloween. It's always been my favorite holiday. I've always loved scary movies, and I loved mystery and unexplained stuff. So I grew up watching In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy, um, and then also one of my favorite authors, and it became one of our podcasts as well, is Edgar Allan Poe. And I mean, for Christmas one year... I asked for the entire Edgar Allan Poe anthology. So, you know, what kids ask for that kind of stuff? <laughs> so I've always loved the unexplained, supernatural kind of thing. Plus, um, you know, as somebody who grew up, I grew up as a Christian, and I don't know about, you know, most people, I know the church doesn't seem to want to talk about this kind of stuff, but the Bible and a lot of the things that we believe in is very supernatural in all the different things out there. That's so, tr that's so true. That's a great point. Um, Denise, how did you get interested in the supernatural? Well, kind of similarly. When I was younger, I definitely liked, you know, doing the ghost stories and stuff around the campfire. But I'd kind of, I was into scary books, Stephen King, you know, just all the different movies and things like that. But then they started creeping me out a little bit, especially when they started getting into more serial killers. And so I started kind of veering away. And then I met this um, girl named Diane who was completely into that, and I love history. So um, from one of our podcasts, you know that Diane's mom is a Colorado historian, so I loved riding around Denver with Diane's mom. She would just like, be telling me about every single house, every single this. And so um, we started doing a lot of historical tours with her, and then that kind of branched out, and we started doing the nighttime, the um, ghost tours and the haunted tours, and the history side of that, coupled with kind of the seamy side of the cities and the the stories you don't necessarily read in the history books really um, were interesting and, and entertaining, and so I kind of got hooked in that way, and then coming into the whole podcasting has been a whole new thing, because microphones are not my thing, but again, <laughs> we just kind of stepped out, and here we are, so. Well, you're both doing a phenomenal job, and Denise, you would never know that microphones are not your thing, because, you know, you just sound great, um, but both of you sound very confident, and I'm just, it's just so fascinating to listen to. So I, I want to ask you if you don't, wouldn't mind sharing with the audience, like give us some examples of, of the places and topics that you cover. Well, as I mentioned, Edgar Allan Poe was one of the people that we have featured, but we've also done 
the very first place we did, I wanted it to be a place that we had already been to, and we'd actually had an experience there. And so that was down here in Florida. St. Augustine is a fabulous city, and they have so many great things to check out there. And one of those places is Ripley's Auditorium there, or most people call it Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum, but it, it really is the auditorium. And uh, so that was one of the first places that we featured. We've also, um, as you mentioned, we did Molly Brown, and that got into doing the Molly Brown House as well. And um, we're, we just completed doing the Legend of Bloody Mary last evening, which will be coming out this week. So we get into a, a, a wide variety. It doesn't have to just be a specific place. There's people or, you know, we haven't done a specifically an event yet, but uh, that's a possibility in the near future. Very cool. Yeah, and speaking of Bloody Mary, I want to thank you for reminding me of something I spent a lot of years trying to bury in my subconscious, Bloody Mary. Oh, my gosh. I hadn't thought of that. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, I mean, since, since, we brought, since you brought her up, I mean, when I was in about the third grade, I think, that was like all the rage in the schoolyard, and I had this one friend who was talking about it. Oh, yeah, and if you chant her name a hundred times and you, in the dark, and I don't know, she was going through all this stuff, and she was telling us how... Nothing really happened, but she saw some drops of blood. And I mean, it, I'm such a scaredy cat. I mean, I have an interest in this stuff, but at the same time, I'm terrified. And uh, it was just so funny the other day in, in the CLFA when you brought up Bloody Mary because that used to scare the hell out of me, uh, that legend. But also, it's very interesting. I want to ask you this, too, because just, just in my experience, now, I've also been to St. Augustine. I've been to the Ripley's. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous city. Um, I have not, uh, I have to go back there again, but I have not, when I was there, I Luckily for me, I didn't bump into any ghosts. But, um, oh, my gosh, now I'm losing my train of thought. I was going to ask you a question with, with um, oh, my gosh. Wow, I'm getting old. I think I, I just lost what I was, what I was going to say. But um. <laughs> Well, you know, what, what I wanted to say is, based on what you had said about how you like to hear about this stuff, but it kind of freaks you out, that's kind of what we're trying to do with the show is not freak make you it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're trying not to freak people out too terribly. But it, it, we want to have an equal balance of here's a bunch of history and then here's some of the creepy stuff that goes with it. I didn't want it to be just a, you know, because when you listen to a lot of paranormal shows out there, I mean, there's a ton of them just here on Blog Talk Radio alone. A lot of them, it, it just, it's scary stuff the whole way through or, you know, they're doing an investigation and you hear their EVPs, which are, for people who don't know, it's, ghost voices that they catch on tape, you know, all that stuff really freaks people out. And I didn't want to necessarily scare people to death, but I did want to creep you out a little bit. Yeah, well, you, you succeeded. And, I, you know, speaking of, of the EVP thing, I don't know if you saw this, but maybe about a month or two ago on Facebook, there was a news story going around, video of a, of a story up in Pennsylvania, where I'm from. Um, it was in the Hershey area, which is about an hour and a half from where I grew up. And, 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 man, I mean, it, it was a woman whose home was haunted, a husband and wife, and, I mean, to the point where her kids well, her kids were grown, but they won't even go back and visit her. And the news crew, they, they went in as skeptics, and let's just say by the time this report was over, uh, they were believers <laughs> in the supernatural, and it was very scary. And I've often wondered, and, and let me ask this question to both of you as well, I mean, it, I mean, when, when you look at a haunted place, and let's just say it's a haunted hotel or a haunted house or whatever it is, you know, are those ghosts sort of bound, or are they there? Like, how, like, say that house, for whatever reason, burned down or was demolished. Would the ghost still be hanging out in that area? I mean, did you ever get an answer to that, those kinds of questions? That's the difficult thing about the subject of ghosts, because everybody's going to have their own interpretation of what a ghost is. And for me, it could be a variety of things. If you find something that seems to be locked into a location... Generally speaking, there's there's two different reasons. One of them is it could be something that is almost like, you know, a lot of people believe that crystals have power in them, and I do believe there is an energy that is in, you know, crystals and the earth and that kind of thing. And that energy has to come from somewhere, and we are all made out of energy. So when you pass away, that energy sometimes can get locked into things. And so I think when people are seeing, let's say you hear a story about a woman who always walks through the graveyard, she's wearing white, and it's always about the same time. 
these are called residual type hauntings, and it's not necessarily that that woman's soul or spirit is stuck there. It's like a tape that's playing over and over again, and so it's they consider it to be unintelligent. You can't interact with it. It doesn't see you, that kind of thing. Now, when you have something like what you were describing, I remember watching that video and like the cameraman got scratched and all kinds of stuff. I would have been out there. I would have been out of there if something touched me. <laughs> Frankly, I would be going, "Ow, something scratched me." I'd be out the door, and then they could ask me what happened. Yeah, something me too. like that could be a couple of different things. You could have somebody whose spirit has not gone on, and so they are still angry, and so they're lashing out in an angry way. Or, you know, we do have these things that are evil-type spirits, demonic in nature. It could be something that just has happened to come to that house. may not necessarily be that it's because of something that happened in the house, like, you know, if somebody got murdered there. It could be something that attaches itself to the people who live there. Maybe they went somewhere and this spirit said, hey, I'm going to hang out with you. Or maybe they were doing something that maybe wasn't a great idea. And they, you know, things can attach to you and they might have brought it home with them or I know people hear this all the time, but there are a lot of Indian burial grounds out there, and those always seem to stir up activity. So if the house was built on something, you know, sometimes they didn't move cemeteries back then, or we don't know where all the cemeteries were because a lot of times they used wood as some of the tombstone markers, and those rotted away. And if all the people in an area died, they wouldn't know that there was a cemetery here, and then you're building these homes on top of it, a la poltergeist kind of thing. So there's, yeah. there's a whole wide variety of reasons why this could be happening. Very, very interesting. And, you know, one of the things that came out in one of your podcasts, I believe it was the one about the Roosevelt Hotel, um, you had specifically stated, and then you clarified this during the podcast, but I wanna, want you to share it with our listeners, but you said something like uh, there was a ghost that was presenting itself as a little girl, and you were very specific in saying, notice I said presenting itself as a little girl, so can you tell our listeners what you meant by that and a little bit about that particular ghost? Yes, yeah, so that's one of the things that we did say um, on, the, on that particular podcast that we, neither one of us, Diane or myself, are very settled with children being left behind. Um, there's an innocence about children, and I don't think they would just be left to wander or left to figure things out. And so a lot of times if there's a child haunting or a child you know, somewhere, and we um, we don't necessarily believe that it's an actual child that's been left behind or that's imprinted. We tend to think that that's something else posing as the child, either to draw people in because um, children will will kind of bring in that compassion, that that empathy, the people wanting to help. And so, but usually we don't um, we don't look at those. Those are a little bit um, more freaky for both of us, I believe. Yeah, and I, I tend to agree with you. I don't think, I mean, I, it just doesn't, it just doesn't, um, it doesn't coincide with, 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 with the nature of God as we've been taught and as we know him to just say, to just leave a, a little, a little kid behind like that. I, I kind of agree with you there. Um, it, that wouldn't make any sense. Um, I just, I think, um, Diane, just getting back to something that you mentioned, because it was interesting that you said it doesn't always have to be the scene of something horrific. Um, although it does tend to, I mean, do you find that many of these places that are haunted tend to have been like either a battleground or there, there's been a horrible murder or something has happened and maybe the person died so suddenly that their soul just didn't really have a chance to adjust? I mean, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I look at that in a number of ways as well. Um, again, back to the energy, if there was a lot of energy exerted, say, you know, if you're you're being murdered, we've got a lot of rage and hate on one end and then brutality, uh, there's intense fear. So I think that's where a lot of that might be coming from. Um, being that I am a Christian, I do have a theory that not, not everybody's going to agree with, and you'll hear a lot of Christians that don't necessarily agree with me, but um, we believe that there are people who go on to heaven right away, and then there are other people that are kind of stuck here waiting for judgment. And so... Uh, you know, in the Catholic tradition, I know that they believe in like a purgatory. I don't believe in that, but there is a possibility that maybe here on earth is a type of purgatory. It's almost like they're in some kind of suspension waiting. And so I think that's why there's not a whole lot of ghost interactions that are positive. Either they're, you know, kind of an in-between so-so or they're negative in nature. There's not a whole lot of positive except for let me roll this back to, I know a lot of people will see maybe a loved one 
before they die or, you know, just as they're dying, all of a sudden they'll either have a dream or their mom will appear to them and they'll know that they just passed away. It's almost like they're coming to say goodbye. And so I believe those are, are positive, and I think that's kind of a... See, I believe there's a veil that's there that we're not supposed to go past and they're not supposed to come this way. And so I think sometimes God kind of lifts that veil and lets people come over just, you know, as a kind of comfort and a last kind of goodbye. But on the flip side, there's also people who are stuck on the other side of that veil that can't go anywhere else. And I think that's why they come off as angry or confused because they're like, you know, where am I supposed to go? What happened to me? And and sometimes they may not even know that they're dead. I, You know, you'll mm-hmm. hear people who are in a haunted home and all the cupboards will be opened. Well, you know, it's kind of like that movie, The Sixth Sense. You know, like the ghost yes. is still there living in the house because they don't know that they're not supposed to be there anymore. Right, and I think that the, there was another movie, I think The Others with Nicole Kidman, same type of thing. Um, but, you know, Diane, when you were talking, I thought of something. I, th- I think this was the kind of question I was trying to remember earlier, but, you know, you talked about in the beginning of the show, you know, watching uh, Ghost Hunters, maybe before they were popular, and certainly, God, they're everywhere now on on, on all kinds of channels um, on, on TV. But, you know, one of the things that just for me personally, and I want to get your take on this, um, and based on what you just said, I just find it very off-putting when some of these ghost hunters go in and they're very antagonistic toward the ghost. Because I'm thinking, if that person is confused, like you said, or they're stuck, um, or they don't know that they're dead, I just, I don't know, it, it just really turns me off that some of them go in there and it's all this sensationalism, and they're really purposely antagonizing the soul of someone who used to be alive. I and mean, what do you think about that? Well, one of the things um, that I know that Diana and I have talked a lot about that we don't agree with is ever trying to, like, antagonize or, or rile up um, a spirit that might be there. For, for I know for me for sure, and I believe Diane looks at the same way, we're not 100% sure what ghosts are. Um, so sometimes we do think it might be something demonic. I, I believe, because I know some people will say, I also come from a Christian standpoint, and I know some people will say, you know, all all of that kind of activity is demonic, and I don't believe that. Um, kind of what Diane was talking about earlier, my cousin, when she was dying, uh, my mom was in the room with her, and right before she passed, she said, it's okay, mom is here for me now. And the doctor had told my mom that that wasn't a hallucination, it happened all the time, so... I don't know if necessarily my aunt was allowed to come back to let her daughter know it was okay or to take her over to the other side because she died right after she saw her mom, or if it could even be possibly an angel taking on the appearance of somebody that we knew and loved as to not freak us out because I don't know about you all, but if this blazing light of angel with wings and all their glory all of a sudden appeared, I would probably, you know, be hitting the opposite door and, and leaving. I wouldn't that's just me that's how I react to things but but if if it came appeared as my mother something familiar somebody who I loved and could comfort that that would bring more comfort to me and so sometimes I think ghosts might not necessarily be ghosts but might be angels taking on a familiar form so that so as to not freak us out and um, so that kind of going back we don't try to rile up spirits we don't try to talk to them we don't try to contact them. We just kind of go if they present themselves, whatever, but we don't go looking for it. I believe sometimes if you look for certain things, you might find more than you were anticipating. Yeah, and I mean, I have one show in particular and a particular individual who likes to wear a tight T-shirt that I have in mind. And anytime I've watched that show, I'm just disgusted because, first of all, if, if it is something that is evil or demonic in nature, you're stupid, to fight with it on the flip side this person if it's a human spirit used to live on the earth and i think we should pay them some respect now they might be a jerk and if they're a jerk i'm not going to want to hang around them anyway but it just does not make sense to me it'd be like you know imagine if you open up your house and a person comes in and is going to you know they're your guest and they just start screaming at you like come on say something to me come on Mm -hmm. just say yes Throw something, hit me, poke me, scratch <laughs> yeah. me. I mean, you know, it's just ridiculous. And I'm like, that's the way it should be treated. It's very respectful. It's the same thing. Denise and I love to go through cemeteries. And, I, you know, these people who go through cemeteries and are stomping around, drinking, you know, teenagers that are, you know, partying and knocking over tombstones and just vandalizing, it just makes me so angry. So when we go through, we always try to 
set things back up. You know, if somebody's put a, a flower arrangement or something, we try to make sure that it, it looks nice. And, you know, it's just it's a respectful thing. How would you want to be treated if you were dead, you know? Well, and yeah, I'll tell I, you exactly. one thing. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I would tell you one thing for sure, like these people who go in and taunt them. If anybody ever came into my house and said, come on, come on, go ahead, hit me, I would be happy to oblige. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't mess with you with your martial arts background, Denise, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, that, this reminds me of, and I don't know if either one of you caught this particular episode. I don't even remember which show it was. It was one of those ghost hunting shows, and they were going into the Lizzie Borden house up in uh, somewhere in Massachusetts. I can't remember now the name of the town where, where she was from. And the guy's going in and he's like, come on, Lizzie, we know you're guilty. Come on out. And I'm watching this thing going, what a freaking moron. I mean, like, number one, the antagonistic aspect of it was just completely off-putting. And number two, yeah, like her ghost is going to come out and say, yeah, I murdered my father. And like, what, what you think that's going to hold up in, in, in a courtroom? I mean, like, I just didn't understand what his point was other than to present himself as like some macho man beating his chest. I mean, it was really ridiculous. Yeah, it really is. And and the thing is, when it comes to Lizzie Borden, we don't know for sure that she did do it. You know, do you know that for sure? I know that, you know, she said she might have and that kind of thing, but she did get off. And I just, to me, it's absolutely, first of all, a lot of the shows that are on TV, I don't really care to watch them because, most of the time, you're not even going to have any activity in these places. I've been through so many places that are reportedly haunted and never had anything happen. That how, how in the world is it that every time these guys go into a place, they have all this stuff happen? It just, I think, I don't want to say a lot of it's faked, but I, I have some feelings about the production value going on there. And, and when they act like that, it just makes everybody who's interested in this kind of thing look like a bunch of jerks. Yeah, they really, they really do. And, and you know, you mentioned St. Augustine. I, I was up there about four years ago for a book signing event. Um, I was invited uh, with uh, uh, Charlie Carlson. He's the host of Weird Florida on PBS. I don't even know if it's still on, but he comes from this whole family of people who had uh, ESP and psychic ability and intuition. And however you feel about that, he he comes from this long line of, of mediums and people like that. And he's very respectful, just like you were saying, of the dead. And we were there and. Um, he was. Uh, I didn't see anything when I was there. I mean, I kind of got a feeling, though, in, in St. Augustine. You know, and I guess anybody could say that, but I got the same feeling in Gettysburg. I've been to Gettysburg twice. That wasn't very far away from where I grew up either, about two hours away. Um, if, if not actually experiencing something, quote-unquote, haunted, there's definitely, a, there's very intense emotion in, in places like that. And I, I was wondering, can you, have you been somewhere, like, like with Molly Brown, for example, or any other place that you visited, where maybe you didn't see a ghost or feel a cold spot, but you could the emotion was palpable? Yeah, there is a home, and we'll eventually do this on our show as well, but I, I try to make a lot of different variety for different you know states around the country. I don't want to just focus on Colorado and Florida because those are the two places that I've lived, but in Colorado there is a, a home there that's called the Croke Patterson Mansion. And one of the things that got me interested in this is when I was a kid, since my mom was a Colorado historian, she knew a lot of the histori- historians that are there in Colorado. And every year, Historic Colorado would host this real haunted house tour. So these were real homes that were reportedly haunted. And you'd go to each one of them and do a little tour inside. And in this particular house, we went down to the basement. And apparently what had happened is the baby of this family had died back in the 1800s. And they had bricked the baby up in the wall down in the basement and what they'd done is taken the bricks away and you could kind of work your way into this little room and the minute I walked in there the hair on the back of my neck stood up and I just had what you describe as this creepy feeling I didn't see anything there wasn't a cold spot nothing of that nature but you just get I know exactly what you're talking about you get that feeling that something it's almost like um a static electricity and it really is energy and so it's like you're feeling some kind of energy there yeah I mean particularly you know, I've found for me and, and St. Augustine uh, there's a lot of stories about that I'm sure you probably could could tell us tell me more than I, I know very you know I know some about it but I know like with the, like for example the prison there 
um, where people were supposed to be tortured and just treated very badly. Um, I was to Savannah several years ago and didn't see any. Well, I, I take that back. It's not that I had that creepy feeling while I was there. I can't say I saw something, but you know, we were walking down the street and like all of a sudden the lamppost would just go out for no reason, come back on. Um, I was at a piano bar in Savannah and like it was really bizarre because there'd be all this singing and you know people drinking and all this noise and and you know laughter, fun going on, and then all of a sudden the whole place would like the lights would go out, everything would just stop and. Nobody seemed surprised. And then a couple of minutes later, the electricity would come back on. People would continue on. Then it would go out again. I mean, this happened, like, throughout the night. And this, uh, the, the piano bar happened to be located in a very old uh, firehouse. And, of course, Savannah is built on a, on a graveyard, too. And this was the um, Civil War headquarters for the South, I believe. So it, it seems, I mean, for me, but, you know, I know this isn't, like, a hard and fast rule, but it, it seems like most of the places that tend to have the most activity were the site of something, like you said before, you know, burial grounds and, and, and battles. And certainly with Gettysburg, which I recommend everybody needs to go there, just for the history alone. Uh, and they have very good tour guides. I mean, these people know their stuff, and I've done two bus tours through there. And you certainly can't walk it because it's way too big. Um, but I, I, I got that feeling. And, you, you know, you go through there and you learn about the, the horrors and, and just what, what these soldiers went through, like in Gettysburg and all the suffering, and you think, how could there not be some residual energy? I mean, it just doesn't, um, it doesn't make sense. But do you ever have anyone that maybe challenges you? I mean, do you have any skeptics? I know it's not a live show, so they're not calling in, but do you ever get feedback from anybody, you know, any skeptics saying, you oh, this is a bunch of hogwash? I think what helps me is that I am a skeptic. I mean, I don't immediately, when I hear a story, immediately believe. I'll look at everything else. I don't like to use the term de debunk so much, but I'll look at other causes for something before that. But the main reason why I believe this stuff is just because I have a few unexplained things that have happened to me. So it's like I know there has to be something else there, but I'm not necessarily a true blue believer in everything people say. So that kind of helps a little bit. Generally, what I do with most people, if they say they don't believe, that's fine. And, and you can you know go down that path if you want to. And and for me, what I tell people is, I don't know what it is. Nobody knows what it is. And it's never going to be scientifically proven. I know a lot of these paranormal investigation groups go out there and they want to prove to science that this is happening. And they're never going to do it because science is a repeatable thing. And with paranormal stuff, it just isn't going to repeat on cue the way an experiment would. And for me, I believe it could be a whole variety of things. I mean, you know, here on Rightstream, I know you interview a ton of authors, and a lot of them do science fiction and speculative. I know you're going to have a show on with a guy who does uh, speculative fantasy and that kind of thing. I even believe that some ghost activity, we don't know, is it some form of time travel? You know, ghosts look just as shocked to see some people as we are to see them. Are yeah. they in a different time zone? Is it a different dimension? And we're just seeing, you know, something is dropped between those dimensions and we're seeing each other through these dimensions. So I just look at most people when they're skeptical and say, hey, I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is. This is it for sure. I don't know. And I think that's the best answer you can give anybody when they ask you stuff is just say, I don't know. I'm not going to, you know, swear by it and you're free to believe whatever you want. I'm not really here to prove anything to anybody. I'm just here to entertain you and to try to figure out what, what is this for myself. Yeah, you know, one feature that you guys did um, that really fascinated me, and I had never heard of it before, was, was James Dean's car. I mean, just talk about, you know, and you have your little oddity, uh, and please correct me, I know you have a name for that, but this moment in oddity, is, is that correct for that particular segment That's of the show? Yeah, and I was listening to the James Dean thing with the car, and I was just like, you know, even if you're a total skeptic, you have to admit that that is just very, very strange, very odd. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that just for anyone listening? Well, what happened is uh, James Dean was a fast driver, fast guy, that kind of thing, and he got himself this nice little spider race car. And he was going to go race it one evening, and he had his mechanic sitting in the car with him. And there is some debate whether he actually was speeding or not, but I would believe that he probably was speeding. He had been pulled over earlier and given a ticket, so we know he was speeding at some point. And he came up on an intersection, and the problem is the Spider is a very low-profile car, 
and he was going so fast. I don't think the guy that was making a left turn through the intersection even saw him coming. He was obviously, James Dean was going too fast to stop. So there was this collision. It's the one that killed James Dean. And word has been that that car that he was in was cursed. And it's not even necessarily that it was cursed after that. It could have been cursed before that, and maybe that's why he died. He called it the little bastard. So there was a reason why he called it that for some reason. But this car, what happened is not all of it was destroyed in the accident, and so pieces of it were used for other cars. You know, it was kind of junked out. Well, every car that got apart from James Dean's car ended up in a horrific accident later on, and sometimes the drivers were killed, sometimes they weren't. Then they decided, let's take the body of the car and take it around like they sometimes do nowadays to educate, especially teenagers, about safe driving. And we'll take it to these different places and show them what happens when you're speeding and get an accident. And every time they would take the car somewhere, something would happen. One time, a driver who was driving the truck it was on, it came unhooked off the truck, and the truck had an accident. It went off the road. The driver got thrown, and here comes the car off of the truck, and somehow it ends up on the driver, killed him. Uh. At another location, there was a kid who was just standing there looking at the car, and it was it had chains that were holding it down wherever, you know, they had it like on a trailer. The chains snap off, and the car falls on the kid and breaks his leg. It was just, it was like one thing after another. And the mechanic who was riding in the car with James Dean didn't die in the accident. And he, you know, some of it was that he was guilt-ridden, he became an alcoholic and stuff. So maybe that's why. But later on, he not only tries to kill himself several times, but he goes on to stab his wife, I think it was like 14 times. Oh, my God. Wow, that's some bad energy right there. That's just weird. Weird, weird exactly. stuff. Exactly. So, I mean, maybe it's just coincidence. But for me, I actually don't believe in coincidence. I think everything happens for a reason. So, Yeah. Yeah, I do, too. Well, you know, Diane, because I know we're, we've got like 10 minutes left, but, you know, uh, kind of moving into another topic here briefly, and then I'm going to ask you guys about your Halloween traditions, see what, what our two, you know, ghost reporters do for Halloween. But I know you're, you, you're a writer also, and, and like I said when I opened the show, I mean, blogging is writing, but I know you are a very serious author as well. So tell us a little bit about the novel you're working on and any other writing that might be going on with you. Well, a lot of people know NaNoWriMo, and that gets a lot of people writing their novels. And in April, they did a thing called Camp, which is really nice because it's kind of you set your own goals rather than in November, which is coming up. They tell you this is what you need to do if you want to participate. So in April, you can kind of do your own thing. But I decided I wanted to go ahead and finish this book that I had started. And I got it finished. I'm right now in the final revisions, and then I'll send it off for editing. Um, you know, I have some people that I am thinking about for editor. And... Um, this is the Lewis Chronicles, and book one is what I've gotten done. It's basically a young adult work of, and I like to use the term speculative faction, because some of it is based on fact, but of course it's written as a fictional novel, and it's set in a post-apocalyptic world. It's like sci-fi, fantasy, conspiracy all mixed together, and, it, and time travel. Basically what happens is this young girl who's my heroine in the book named Harper, wakes up in utter blackness. All she remembers is that she'd run away from a foster home and had fallen asleep in a tree, and now she's in this dark place. She comes to find out it's a cell, and she's, so she's in some kind of a prison, and she's going to meet all of these other kids around her. And it just it's, it's a fun story, and uh, I believe it's going to end up being a trilogy. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. So when will book one be coming out? Well, I'm hoping by the end of the year, so we'll see if that happens. But uh, what I'm thinking about doing here in November is getting book two started. Yeah, and I will. And I will definitely be pushing her to get that book out because she never would let me publish her children's book that she wrote and illustrated. <laughs> oh my goodness! So Diane's been holding out on us. Wow! Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, that. Yeah, I, I am an artist as well. I, I don't do as much of that, but um, I don't know if you remember back to the little logo I had for the Freedom's Wings radio show, the little eagle that's holding the microphone. 
Yeah. But I'd actually drawn that. That was my, my artwork there. And the flight crew logo. And a huge Disney picture I have hanging in the hall that everybody goes gaga over. And pretty much anything else she wants to draw. She's an amazing artist. Wow, yeah, so I, I need, okay, that's good to know. <laughs> Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. You. I also like to write uh, that goes along with the blogging nonfiction, and I am doing the, some initial research on a, a nonfiction book that I haven't seen out there anywhere on the Underground Railroad with the haunted twist. So I want to not only visit these locations, but also talk about these different locations along the Underground Railroad that also happen to have a haunted aspect to them, which is probably based on the fact that, you know, you got a lot of fear, and, of course, during the Civil War, there's a lot of violence and stuff, so it's all kind of that energy. Yeah, that's fascinating. And, you know, one of the things I think is so great about what you're doing with History Goes Bump also is that it's very entertaining, but it's also very educational. Uh, and so, you know, it's it's like you said, it's with a twist. And so you're entertaining people and getting them to think about ghosts and the paranormal, but they're also learning things that they might not otherwise have learned in school about different people and events. Well, especially in the history that they teach in schools nowadays, I don't think people yeah. learn much of anything. <laughs> yeah, ain't that the truth? Oh, my gosh. Well, so, And what I'm really going for is, when I'm looking at this stuff to see is there something that maybe I've never heard before or that seems interesting to me and that kind of helps me to figure out what I want to throw in and what I don't throw in and we do a ton of research for each show I mean they're, most of them are about 30 minutes in length and it's just because it takes so much time just to do the research because there's so many different stories out there so trying to figure out what's true, what's not true what really happened yeah I can imagine the the prep time that goes into that. Um, Diane, Denise, are you still with me? I feel like maybe something happened. Am I still here? Can you hear us? Yeah. Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah, I was going to say the prep time. We haven't become ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) That's good to know. Um, So in the last couple of minutes, ladies, tell us a little bit about your Halloween traditions, because I think some really cool pictures that you've been putting out on Facebook uh, with your Halloween decorating. So tell us a little bit about what you do for how you celebrate the occasion. Well, we have a little bit of a yin and yang happening during the Halloween season. Um, One of our definite traditions is to attend Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party at um, Magic Kingdom. So that's become definitely a tradition. But Diane likes to creep out... um, the neighborhood. We're trying to get the most haunted cul-de-sac going, and she takes great pleasure in terrifying children that come by. Um, so, so we had like a group of tweeners, like twelve-year-old boys, for, after telling her they weren't scared of her and her stalking them, and then them running and coming back several times just to walk by to see if she was still moving. She, she was. People didn't know if she was alive or just a statue, and so she was having a lot of fun with that. So. Sounds great. Oh, she she's great. She was freaking everybody out. The parents were like, "Is that real? Is it not real?" And she doesn't give it away. She just keeps going with what she does, and so that's a lot of fun. Um, I tend to meet the little, the itty bitties at the bottom of the um, sidewalk with the candy, with the bowl of candy. So I'm out there, and I let them kind of get their candy and keep on moving. Um, but Aww. eventually, we're hoping to move it to where they have to go back into a haunted graveyard. The older kids to get their candy, they won't be getting it at the bottom of the sidewalk. Make them earn well, their Gary, <laughs> let me ask you this. Now, yes. did you go out trick-or-treating when you were a child? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you have that one house that you remember going to that was really, really creepy? Mm-hmm. A couple of them, actually, yes. Okay, that's my goal. I want to be that one house these kids remember <laughs> when they're adults, and they say, God, there was, this, there was this house. It was the best house we used to go trick-or-treating at. They had the best candy, but they'd scare the crap out of you. I don't know if they'll be remembering it going, Doctor, I just keep having this weekly nightmare. It sounds like you're well on track to achieving that goal. So if I was a little kid, I'm sure I'd be petrified of of trick-or-treating at your house. (laughs) You know, I think we've been bottling this up for years because we've always rented, and we finally bought a house like three years ago. So it was the first time we actually, you know, had trick-or-treaters and stuff. So I'm just, you know, poor things. I'm going crazy. (laughs) Yes, 
get to finance. She has a fog machine. We add more creep to the yard every year. And, and it's kind of fun because our neighbor two doors down does the same thing. The neighbor across the street is starting to get into it. And then another neighbor's like, hey, that looks like fun. So if it keeps going pretty soon, our cul-de-sac is going to be like the creepiest cul-de-sac in Florida. That's fun. Hey, any chance we might see video coverage of this on Facebook or Twitter? Anytime you know, I actually was thinking about doing a video this year. That'd be kind of fun. I'd like to see that. I think that. so. That would be really cool. Well, oh my goodness, I cannot, these interviews go by so fast, and I have like so many questions. I'll have to bring you back in the future, because I know I'm going to have many more questions about the, the paranormal stuff um, as, you, as you create you know, more podcasts. But um, Diane and Denise, is there anything you want to uh, share with the audience before we end the interview? Well, we just want to make sure that uh, you guys check out our blog, which you can get access to from our website, thehistorygoesbump.com. Website has all the links, the tabs across the top, so you can find out where the blog is at. We have a thing called the Spooktacular Crew if you want to join that. And one of the things that we're going to start getting into in the future is doing some meetups and stuff as well. So um, if you guys keep in contact with us, let us know who you are basically on Facebook, you know, like our, we've got, we're on everything. Oh my gosh. And you're the social <laughs> media uh, queen as far as I'm concerned, Daria. So you know about this, but we're like on Twitter and Tumblr and Facebook and Google Plus. We're everywhere you'd ever want to find us. You just search History Goes Bump. Let us know you're out there and then we will make sure that you are contacted and and know when we're going to do these meetups and stuff. I know we're going to do one up in St. Augustine in uh, December. Oh, cool. I want to go to that. I'm, get, I'm getting on your list because I want to I want to be informed. I love St. Augustine, and that would be really fun. Oh, it would be a ton of fun, and that's kind of where my strength lies with this, is I'm definitely a little bit more of the social butterfly than Miss Diane. So she's great at, at making sure all of our stuff gets out into the social media. I touch computers and break them. But I'm very good at setting up tours and um, getting people together to go and do do different ghost tours. So our first meetup that I am working on is going to be early December in St. Augustine, Florida. Ah, terrific. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Well, um, Diane and Denise, I just want to thank you so much for, for joining me today. Congratulations on a, just an outstanding show. Everybody, please go visit History Goes Bump dot com and um, well I, I know I'll be seeing you on Facebook but I just want to take the opportunity to wish you both a very happy and spooky Halloween and, and good luck with scaring the kids well same to you and thank you so much for asking us to be on we were thrilled to be asked thank you very much Daria this was a lot of fun oh good I'm glad well, it was a lot of fun for me too me too take care and we'll be talking to you soon alright bye bye thanks bye bye